Happy New Year! I wondered, I wondered what the response would be to that. Um, because I want to talk before I get into the passage today about the new year. Um, a lot happens in a year. I don't know if you know this, but uh, astronomically speaking, the earth will travel 584 million miles around the sun in one year. Which means every day the earth is traveling around the sun 1.6 million miles. These facts are uh, exciting, the handheld devices. Uh, <clears throat> which means if you ever feel guilty for having a day off and sitting around doing nothing, rest assured you have traveled 1.6 million miles that day. You've done plenty. Um, do the maths and you realize that currently as we stand here, we're all traveling at 66,667 miles per hour. How weird is that? In a year, physically, you will lose 27,000 hairs. It's true. You will produce 1,400 liters of sweat. You will lose four kilograms of skin cells. It's all true. And you will produce 73 trillion red blood cells in one year. There can be a lot of loss and a lot of gain in one year, not just uh, physically speaking. Um, A year is a very precious period of time. Um, On average, most of us only get about 80 of them. So you want to use them well. The Bible says that with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is, is as one day. Which if, you, if you work it out, it means that at the same time, among us, God can accomplish 365,000 years worth of wonders in this one year. The amount of wonders that you would expect to fit in 365,000 years, he can do in this one year. It also means that if in his wisdom he chooses to, then he can keep us waiting on certain answers to prayer over this year. And yet, um, mathematically speaking, it will only have taken 86 seconds spiritually. You might have felt this year has been frustrating. But the Bible also says, not just that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, but a thousand years is as one day. So sometimes you're thinking, Lord, I've been waiting a whole year and you've not answered my prayer. Lord says, don't worry, it's only been 86 seconds. (laughs) Done all the maths, it's all good, it all adds up. The rest of the sermon is rubbish, it's because I spent hours doing the maths. (laughs) But we we gathered to pray, didn't we, on the 1st of January at the upper room. And we had a wonderful time praying, and I really felt prophetically the Lord stir my heart. Typically on on a new year, I, I wouldn't say that I'm one of those people that makes lots of resolutions and turns over lots of new leaves or anything like that. I gave my life to Jesus 28 years ago and essentially every new year I think I'm going to carry on. Just carry on in the same direction. Um, best decision I ever made. I just carry on. Um, and yet I did feel at the prayer meeting, I felt stirring of the Holy Spirit that the Lord wanted to uh, say to us that these, these times and these seasons, they do matter. There is a meaning to them. And without becoming superstitious, without becoming kind of weird about it, because on one level, each day is exactly the same as another. There's no such thing as a special day. You don't want to get into that. You end up in this weird sort of slavery. Nevertheless, 
There is something about times and seasons. And I've just felt stirring in my heart that the Lord would want us to be uh, expectant this year. That he would want to raise our expectation and our anticipation. And I don't think that's just founded on nothing. You know what? I, I, I feel I can stand before you and before God and say, you know, we have, we have sown bountifully. We've sown the gospel in so many people's lives over these last ever many years we've been here now, 13 years. There's been so much sowing and watering that's gone, gone on. And the Bible says that he who sows bountifully will reap. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully and we have sown bountifully. And I just felt the Lord would have us to, to, to ready ourselves. Not to just passively sit by, well, I wonder what God's going to do this year. But to ready ourselves, to ready our hearts. There's some scriptures that say, break up the fallow ground. And the fallow ground in kind of farming terms, it's ground that you've, you've plowed, but then you've not sown seed in. And, and it's kind of got a little bit, it's got a bit kind of hard. So you've got to break it up again. It's not, it's not like ground that you haven't plowed. It's been plowed. But you see, maybe there's the, the, the growth that one's expected hasn't come through. And it's break it up. Do what you've got to do um, so that the growth can come through. And I just feel this. I'm preaching on prayer in just a minute. And I want to urge us before we get into it. And just to have as a context for this year to break up the fallow ground. Let's, let's ready our hearts for God to put in them whatever he wants to. Amen. Let's, let's have that expectation together. Let's allow the Lord to put something in us together as a people. Whereby, yes, we've all got our individual lives, but also we are a people. We are, we are an expression of the body of Christ in north central London, which means that when the Lord looks at us, he has things for us as a people to step into our inheritance, which is why our unity is so important. It's why our relationships are so important. It's why our togetherness, it's why, we sing, why it's good that we sing we songs as well as I songs, because both are part of kingdom, truth and gospel Realities. I just wanted to say that. That's the backdrop for plan A, our two weeks of prayer. And we preached on prayer, 5th of Jan, 12th of Jan today. And next week we're going to preach on prayer. And we're going through the Lord's Prayer at the moment. So a bit of context. We're going through Matthew 6 um, in the Lord's Prayer. And Jesus said a couple of things before, he, before um, he, he teaches them how to pray. The first thing he says, he says is, make sure that when you pray, you're not praying in order to try and impress other people. Don't pray in such a way that you're trying to, in your heart, you're trying to make other people think you're really spiritual. He says, don't do that. Jesus says, when you pray, go into your room and close the door. And your father who is in secret or who is unseen will see and he will reward you. And so it's really important that as we're thinking about prayer, that even though we have corporate prayer meetings, where we have public prayer meetings, where we pray together, where in our heart we are actually drawing near to him. We're not just kind of looking around or kind of thinking, oh, I'll pray a prayer in a minute and people think I'm really spiritual, you know. But that we're actually there saying, even though I'm in a public place, I want there to be something unseen that goes on where I draw near to him in my heart. So whether you're at home by yourself in a room closed off and no one can literally see you, or whether you're in a public prayer meeting over plan A, there's that coming together where you say, Lord, I'm in a room full of people, but in my heart, I want to draw near to you now. And I want to pray sincerely. And I want to lift up my, my words to you. And it's not about the amount of words. He then goes on to say, listen, don't think you're going to get heard because of your many words. Don't get into the mentality of praying is like chanting. You know, there are certain religions and philosophies in the world where you literally chant and it's just about quantity. The more actual the quantity of chanting you do, the, the better, you, better off you'll be spiritually. That can be 
the result, many of you remember the story I told you of being with an, an Uber driver once and just talking to him as he's driving me uh, around the city of Liverpool and he's talking and he's, he's a, he was a, a, an Asian guy but he had lived in Italy with his family. He moved to the UK and he moved to Liverpool because it was the second biggest Buddhist centre in the UK. He said, this is why I want to bring my family here. I said, well, okay, well, that's fascinating. That's, that's a big move to move a family from Italy to the UK and to choose Liverpool because of this Buddhist centre. I said, tell me about that. I'm fascinated. That is serious devotion. He said, well, I, I put in all the hours I can in terms of chanting. I said, why? He said, because I'm afraid. He said, I'm afraid that if I don't chant enough, then in my next life I'll come back as a cow. Serious. Serious. His whole life and life decisions and choices were driven by this falsehood, fear. And can you imagine that? You, you, this... This kind of fear and other kind of fears dominate so many people's lives. And so when you've known the freedom of Jesus for a while, you can kind of forget. Do you know what I mean? You, you God sets you free from uh, phobias and uh, strange things that dominate your life. And you walk in this freedom and you can, you can end up thinking everyone has this. This is as in Christ. And it's extraordinary. I remember thinking, gosh. And Jesus says, listen, it's not, about your, it's not about how many words you say. It's not about, don't get into that way of thinking. He said, your father knows your needs even before you ask. How great is that? You're coming to pray, right? But if you forget something or you miss something, he knows your needs even before you pray. He releases you from that horrible kind of fear where you kind of think, oh, I forgot to say that, now what? No, no, no. He knows your needs even before you ask. All right? And then he says, this is how you should pray. Here we go. Let's read this together, shall we? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the scripture. Thank you for the teaching of your son. I just love it. We love the teaching of Jesus and uh, we pray that as we Look at this today, that your Holy Spirit would make it so alive in our hearts. He just say, Lord, we want to break up the fallow ground of our hearts. We want to turn, out, turn over the soil of our hearts. Say, Lord, let your word go in. Let it, find, let it find a welcome home in our hearts. Let your word accomplish extraordinary things. Thank you, Lord. It's, not, it's, good, it's important that the soil's right, but the, it's the seed. It's the seed. It really has the, the magic stuff in it. <laughs> Thank you for the gospel seed. Thank you that it produces a harvest 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. So we reopen our hearts to you now. Come and work among us, Holy Spirit. And we all said, Amen. Amen. Richard last week spoke on the first bit. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This week, I'm going... Now, listen, bear in mind as well. Bear in mind, Jesus says, your father knows your needs before you ask him. All prayer is about our need. None of it is to satisfy a need in God. God has no need. Okay, There is no neediness in God. There is plenty of neediness in us. So even these parts of the prayer, like our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You're not doing God a favor when you take time to worship and praise him. You're not, you're not filling up a needy hole in his heart. Okay, he is perfectly satisfied in and of himself. 
Father, Son and Holy Spirit have existed together in utter joy and satisfaction from eternity. Amen. We add nothing to God. He welcomes us into fellowship with him out of love, not out of need. And so us worshipping him is about our need, not his. And it's our priority need is to centre around him before we get on to these other things, as Rich told us last week. So it's all about our need. But I'm going to look today at these. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So we're going to break it down into two sections. Firstly, give us this day our daily bread. And then secondly, the bit about forgiveness. So let's look at give us this day our daily bread. What is this? Well, specifically here, Jesus is in a very kind of a real earthy way teaching these people who are not rich to pray for their daily food. Now, there may be some of us in this room for whom that is a reality. It may be that we've got to know you through food bank. It may be that we haven't got to know you through food bank, yet nevertheless, the reality is is that when you go home, the cupboards are pretty empty. For many of us, thankfully, that won't be the case. But this lesson here has got something to say to every single one of us. Because although it is relevant for you right now, if you are literally in that situation, that you can pray to God about your next meal. And there will be stories and testimonies in the room of extraordinary things God has done for people in desperate situations like that. Like amazing things. You come to church and you're thinking, oh boy. And then someone's just decided to bless you in some way with some the hamper or some finances. Just been led by the Holy Spirit to do so. Wonderful stories like that. But probably for the majority of us, we're, it's, we're not up against it to that degree. And so I think it legitimately can be broadened out to be speaking about covering our temporary needs, the things that we need in life that aren't like eternal kingdom stuff, but they're legitimate but temporary needs. Things, for example, things like that we won't need once Jesus returns. Yeah, things, things that just, we just need them in the day-to-day life now. So job, food, money, house. I wouldn't put, I wouldn't put luxury items here. Now, let me just say some things about this. Okay? Our father is a very, very generous father. Very generous. So generous that he makes generous fathers on earth look pretty ungenerous. And generous fathers on earth will often go above and beyond the basics to bless their children, right? Which means it's perfectly legitimate to expect God to go above and beyond the basics to bless his children. Okay? That is it's wonderful. And we can pray about those things. But just to sort of rein it in and be true to what is being taught here in the Bible, this is about our needs. Okay, God promises to provide for our needs, but, call, but God calls us to pray about our needs. Now, I would say people often get it wrong one way or the other on this kind of thing. They either make one mistake or the other. Either they, they only pray about this sort of stuff or they jump straight to this. This is the priority. It's always, Lord, I need a new job. Or, you know, Lord, how, about, how can I get about without a car? Or, Lord, in the housing situation is in a, in a crisis. Or, Lord, I need more money. The prayer life is kind of dominated by temporary needs. It's where you start and it's where you end. And if you're honest and you look at your prayer life, you go, do you know what? Most of the time, that's what my prayers are like. That, that, that's a mistake. 
That's a mistake because if that's what you're doing, then your prayer life is demonstrating that you're not seeking first his kingdom, but you're seeking first just temporary things. Okay, You've got things out of kilter. So you're going to need the Lord to help you with that because that's not going to take you anywhere good. You just get, you just get worked up with anxiety. You just get your mind will be dominated. Your emotions will be dominated by those things, and you'll be in a, in a, you'll be stirred up and stressed out all the time. Which is why it's God's blessing to us that in our prayer lives we start with "Hallowed be Your name, Your kingdom come." Because even though you know we might think that somehow we were doing God a favor praying in that way, the whole time we realize He's doing us a huge favor. He's liberating us from that kind of anxiety, that small-mindedness, being obsessed with ourselves. He's liberating us from that and helping us get our mind fixed on the things that will last forever. That's becoming a mature disciple. You see, that makes sense? So that's the first mistake. You can be dominated. The second mistake is what I would call super spirituality, where you never pray about those things because they don't seem spiritual enough. It's all kingdom, breakthrough, healing, salvation. And then you get to that and you go, oh, it just seems a little bit, Seems a bit temporary, you know, a bit fleshly, a bit worldly. Let's go back to the breakthrough healing. Okay, listen, don't try and be more spiritual than Jesus. All right, you will become unspiritual accidentally. You'll become weird. No one one will invite you to their birthday party and things like that, okay? Because they'll be eating the dinner. You'll be in a room fasting while they're all eating the nice food. And it's just, you've just, come on. All right, and we're into fasting. You can listen to the sermon on the 5th of January. It's about fasting. Okay, there's a time and a place. Okay, you can go wrong in that way. It's, it's, no, don't do it. Don't do, you're a human. You're an embodied being. There are needs that you have that are temporary that other humans have. But your father says to you, come and ask me about those things. And you know, when you are, here's the beauty, here's the beauty of it. When you are seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, Then when you come to those things, you can pray specifically and concretely for them with a clear conscience. Yeah, you know that you've got your priorities right. You know you're not enslaved to this stuff. You know that you're not, you've not got yourself, you know, you know what you're about. I'm about, I'm about the Lordship of Jesus. I'm about seeing his name glorified in people's lives. That's what I'm about, that main thing that he's about. Absolutely. But I can still Bring these things to him and pray with confidence and give time to it and be specific. And I will say one thing. There's something about this kind of praying, which when it gets answered, it's so specific and so concrete, it builds your faith praying for the other stuff. Because you go, wow, I was like in a desperate situation. I'll tell you a couple of stories. Just... um, it's just always where you know you just kind of know you just see the grace and the kindness of God in these kind of concrete things. When I, years years back, years back, when I was um, when I was at a strapling, um, it's about twenty two, and um, I was going on a missions trip, um, kingdom stuff, you know. Um, but I didn't have any money. I had no money at all, uh, and um, I kind of felt God put me in this sort of funny situation where we sort of dared me or challenged me in a kind way not to ask anyone about it or tell anyone the situation I was in. Okay, and I agreed. And I remember having this moment with God where I said, okay, Lord, I agree. The only problem was, was this was like um, midweek, maybe about Wednesday or Thursday, something like that, and the mission started on a Saturday and I had no money to get there. But I said, okay, Lord, Um, 
within minutes of making that agreement with God, and it's not always as instant as this, but sometimes in the early days, it is because God is basically really wanting to show you, I'm with you. So that, you can, you can, so that you, your confidence grows so that later on in life, when you have to wait a bit longer, you can handle it. I remember making that decision. I walked out of the room in the, in the church building, and there was this guy who was part of a church, very sort of normal sort of fella called Tony. He said, all right, Tony, how are you doing? See, I'm a good stuff. How are you? He said, uh, he said, what are you up to at the weekend? I said, I'm going on a missions trip. He said, whereabouts? I said, well, you probably wouldn't have heard of it. St. Neots. He went, where? I went, St. Neots. He went, you're joking. I went, no. Why? He said, well, he said, I'm helping my daughter move from St. Neots on Saturday. And so I'm driving a van up there to, to unload her flat. Do you need a lift? <laughs> like, shivers up your spine. You go, yeah. But you think, you don't know what you just said. You thought you just offered me a lift. You've just blown my mind. Because I've just, I've just literally saying, God, I can't get to St. Neots for this mission trip and I've got no money. And God said, don't ask anyone. And I said, fine. And I've walked out of this room and you've just offered me a lift to St. Neots. Like, who drives to St. Neots on Saturdays? Hardly anyone. <laughs> Amazing. That's, I remember another time where I had, to, I had to pay for a course I was on. And it was £300 on the Tuesday. And I had hundred and I think it was 120 in the bank and like 20 in my wallet, something like that. And we're not all mathematicians here, but it's not good, okay? 140 in total. It was a Sunday, 20 in the wallet, 120 in the bank, needed it by Tuesday. Walking to church, met, met one of my mates and I went to church. I said, how you doing? He said, yeah, he said, all right, but my gyro hasn't come through. My unemployment benefit, I'm skinned. I'm like, oh, okay. And then the Holy Spirit's conviction started to dawn on me, giving me your money in your wallet. I was like, oh, no. Nightmare, you know. And... Uh, I thought, oh, it's the Holy Spirit. So I thought, I'll give him 10 of the 20. So I gave him a 10. So there you go, you know, get yourself something. And then I uh, went into the church and uh, the offering went round. And I felt God say, come on, put the rest in. Because I, I think he told me to put, give the whole lot to this bloke and I'd give him half, you know. So put, put the rest in. <laughs> you know what I said to I said to the Lord, I said, I said all right, Lord, if, you're, if, if I'm, if I'm going to be silly, you've got to be silly back. I literally said that. I literally said that. If I'm going to be silly, you've got to be silly back. I put it in the offering, and then within about a minute, someone walked up to me and gave me an envelope of 200 pounds. Those sorts of stories, they put something in you where you go, I'm not a slave to money, and I'm not, uh, you know, I'm, I don't, I'm not into the love of money at all, but there were legitimate needs in my life as I'm trying to serve God. I can trust him. He is faithful. Yeah? So if we get it right, we prioritize the kingdom, give our hearts to him in an abandoned way, be faithful with your money. Be faithful with what you have got temporary stuff. Be a good steward, be generous, be kind. Sometimes it hurts, but be generous, be kind. Whatever local church you are a part of, give faithfully, give consistently, give sacrificially, honors the Lord, give into the mission of the church that God has called you to be a part of. Do it. Don't do it at the end of the month, do it at the start of the month. Do it. Faith, watch, watch the faithfulness of God. Otherwise, you only have other people's stories. And they're not powerful enough when you, when you hit the corners. You've got to have your own stories. Just trust the Lord. Amen? Pray about these things. Seek first his kingdom, but then pray. Give time to pray. Tell the Lord what you need. Be specific. He will hear you. And he is very, very generous. Can I hear an amen? And then we're going to get onto this one now. Second, second part. Big one. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. 
This is the only part of the prayer that Jesus picks up on in verse, uh, uh, when the prayer finishes. And he says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Okay. Let's, let's, let's work through this. Because this is a big one. Okay. So. The matter of forgiveness is hard to overemphasize. Forgiveness is the doorway that opens up reconciliation with God, you see? Recon- being, being brought back into relationship with God has a huge, a huge kind of boulder or barrier in the way of it, and that's our sins, the things we say and do and think wrong, the, the good things we don't say and do and think, they're like a huge barrier between us and God. And in order for us to be reconciled to God, we need to be forgiven of those things. And forgiveness means that you are released from the debt. That's what it means. It means that that debt, that boulder, that barrier is swept away and you are utterly released from the burden of it. Like completely released from the the thing of it, the power of it, the guilt of it, the shame of it, the heaviness of it. Sometimes you still have to live in the earthly consequences of things that you've said and done and thought wrong. You have to handle them responsibly and, and you know, something, make reparation and pick up the pieces. That's the reality. But in terms of in your relationship with God, when you find forgiveness with God through Jesus Christ, the power of sin is broken in your life. The burden of sin is lifted from your shoulder. Your conscience is cleansed. The guilt that you lived with and that gnawing sense of, ah, why did I do that? That is washed away. The shame is lifted off. Completely. It is the most magnificent thing imaginable. The most vile things that you've done or thought or entertained um, completely washed away and separated from you as far as the east is from the west, the Bible says. That's a long way. That's a long way. Completely separated from you. And please hear this. Please don't sit there thinking, yeah, we know about forgiveness. We hear about this most weeks. No, no, hold on. Let's just slow down. <laughs> in, pre- in preparing this, I, f- I did feel you know, the importance freshly of enjoying the forgiveness that is ours in Jesus. And it's not some kind of vague sort of, well, I kind of hope, you know, maybe God's, maybe God's kind enough. It's not, it, it is rooted in God's kindness, but at the same time, his kindness led to him give his son who became a sin offering in our place. So there's something very concrete that went on, i.e. the punishment that our sins deserved were received by someone else. So it's not a case of God sweeping it under the carpet because then if he did that, he wouldn't be just. In his justice, he mercifully gave us his son and his son willingly bore our sin in his body on the tree so that we can now die to sin. And live for righteousness. Something very concrete has happened. That's the good news. That's why we sing so much about the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. Because there, the concrete act happened where the power of God was released for the forgiveness of our sins. It's just the best. It's just, and you know, if you're, here's the thing. If you're here and you're thinking, but I'm too awful. The Bible says this. Those who have been forgiven much 
love much. So I kind of, it's a weird one because you don't want to encourage people to sin a lot. (laughs) So they'll get forgiven a lot and then love a lot. You don't want to go down that road. But at the same time, if you're here and you're going, but I'm really bad, then I'm going, wow then you can get really forgiven in Jesus. And when you realize that, you're really going to love him. The Bible says where sin abounds, grace abounds more. Grace always goes further. The grace of God always goes further than the worst things that we do. It's so powerful. It's such an extraordinary gift, this forgiveness. Many of us in the room, we've known it. We've known it. We've enjoyed it. We've, 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 we've eaten it. We've drunk it. We've taken it in. And it's, and it's changed our lives. I mean, there are, things, there are things that I've done that are shameful. It was a, a funny situation a few, a few um, weeks back where um, someone was helping me to fill out a form. And they just, a believer. And they just asked me, any any, any, oh, I forgot, it wasn't convictions, but any sort of, uh, uh, what's the word? Sort of, um, with the law, what's it called? Any sort of, say it loud, I can't hear you. <laughs> I can't hear anything you're saying. You're, you know, any, any, with the law, what's the saying? Run-ins, any run-ins with the law. That was the idea. Thank you, Tuli. That's the legal terms I was looking for, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Well, because like, I haven't actually got any convictions, but I've run, I've run it. So, and I was like, yeah, I have. And it was that weird moment where you're with another believer who you reckon's probably, I reckon they probably haven't. Uh, <laughs> I won't say any names. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I have. And it's that weird one where you just, for that moment, you have to just go, oh, you know? What do they think? You know that moment? Uh, and then you go, no, it's all right. It's okay. <laughs> My sins are forgiven. And it's a beautiful thing. And, and, and you know, I, those who are forgiven much, love much, there's a sense in which you go, I can't believe you forgave me of that. That was ugly. That was really ugly. And then when, when you get revelation of the ugliness and the beauty of the cross. At the same time, the sheer darkness. The Bible says he's like one from whom people turn their face. I can't look at that. I just can't look at it. It's too awful. And yet as you learn to look, you suddenly realize, God, that's, that's my salvation there. That's my salvation. He takes my sin in his body on the tree. Ah, oh, magnificent. But you see, you see so, when, so when we come to Christ, we, when we admit we've done wrong, we believe in Jesus, we confess our sins and we choose, we decide to follow him. A, B, C, the admit we've done wrong, but B, believe in Jesus. C, just confess, yes, Lord, here's what I've done. And bring it all to the cross and D, decide, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. I want to give you my heart. In that moment, you are born again and you're brought into the family of God. And you can never be more saved than at that moment. No matter how much fasting or praying or prophesying you do, you can never be more saved than at that moment. You are in the family. You've done nothing to deserve it, nothing to earn it, but you are in. And once you're in, you're in. You're, you're a child of God. Okay, it's magnificent. And so what we see here is quite perplexing because it says, well, look, forgive, forgive us as we forgive those. And Jesus says, look, if, listen, if you, if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. Well, what does that mean? Here's what it means. It's like this. Jesus isn't saying you'll be out of the family. Jesus is saying, if you, having received that gift, if you really having lived in the good of that, if you then withhold that release from others, if you hold on to others' offences, 
And if you sort of one way or the other try to punish them, either just being passive aggressive or really being vengeful. But one way or another, you are looking to take as your responsibility to punish them for your sin. If you are doing that, that is going to seriously hinder your relationship with God. You will, you're forgiven in the sense that you're justified, but you're not forgiven in the sense that the relationship is out of kilter. You've grieved, you're grieving the Holy Spirit. And, and you, are, you, you are becoming a hypocrite because you're singing about God's forgiveness over your sins and yet you're refusing to forgive that person. That's an ugly situation. Because you're looking at the cross going, oh Lord, thank you, you did that for me. But really, it's not really penetrating your heart. Because if it penetrated your heart and you realized how rotten you are without Jesus, then when someone else does something rotten, you'll be able to say, you know what, it's just like me, I'm releasing. Whereas what we're doing when we don't forgive others, subtly what we're saying is this, I'm better than you. Sati, you're saying, I wouldn't do that. Whereas when we see and understand, we are humbled, we're brought to the dust, but then we're raised up. He, we haven't got to raise ourselves up as Christians. He raises us up. He exalts us. But we, we are exalted to the highest place, knowing full well what we are without him, but knowing that in him we've become the very aroma of Christ to God. It's the gospel. Absolutely magnificent. And you see, the issue is this, is that if you want to have a spirit-filled life, you've got to forgive. There's no two ways about it. If you want to live a fruitful Christian life, you've got to forgive. If you really want to love God, you've got to forgive. Because it's part of your obedience is to love him. Part of your, your loving him is obedience. He says forgive. If you really want to love others, which is your destiny, your destiny is to love God and love your neighbor. You want to do that? You've got to forgive. If you want to give a good testimony to the gospel, you've got to forgive others. Because if you're a bitter person, screwed up, vengeful, you'll, you'll start saying bitter things. You'll be gossiping. You'll do, and, and, and yet you're at the same time saying that you're a gospel person. doesn't work. People end up doubting the gospel because of your testimony. If you want to be rescued from demonic torment as a believer, you've got to forgive. There's a very sober parable in Matthew 18 where Jesus talks about this guy who got forgiven an enormous debt. If you work it out, it's like tens of billions. It's deliberately that sort of figure because it makes you realize what it, what, what, what it costs God to forgive us. Some people think it's easy. But God's like that. No, it's so, he's so just and so pure. What it cost him to forgive us. But then someone else owed him. It was the equivalent of about 10 grand, which is an important point. Because when people wrong us, it's not like worth 2p or 3p. It hurts. It matters. Yeah, it's, otherwise we would forgive. But forgiveness is so hard because it, ah, it hits you in the heart. And you go, my life's been impacted by what you said, by what you did, by what you didn't do. I'm limping now because of that. It's real. But he refused to release. And in the end, and then, and then the, the king who would have forgiven this guy who then wouldn't forgive the other guy, he heard about it and he said, well, you're, going, you're in prison. I'm putting you in prison. Hand him over to, hand him over to the torturers. That was how it ends. Hand him over to the torturers. And then Jesus said to the disciples, if you don't forgive from the heart, my father will do the same to you. Sometimes God in his mercy will hand you over. If you refuse to, if you refuse to forgive, you hold on to unforgiveness as a believer, God will hand you over sometimes. Say, well, do you know what? I'm going to just <laughs> let you live in the fruit of that so you can see the torment that it brings and then repent. But it's an unnecessary journey. Just forgive. <laughs> just forgive. Don't, you don't need to do that, okay? God will allow you, but it ain't going to go, you know, it's going to be painful. Don't do that. 
I want to plead with you today. If you call yourself a believer, if you, if you know the forgiveness of Jesus in your soul, do the hard work, the Holy Spirit-empowered work of forgiving. I am currently in a situation of having to forgive a couple of people. Painful, difficult, hard. A couple of times a week it comes back and I find myself daydreaming the wrong sort of daydreams. You know what I'm talking about? And you catch yourself. Don't know, Lord, bring it back, release them again. And it's not even, you think, gosh, have mercy on me, Lord. It's not even a huge thing. But it's, it's hit me in the middle, you know? Some things just, you just go, that's it's hurt me way more than it should, but it really has. So, Lord, I'm just going to keep bringing them back to you. And sometimes it's a bit like that forgiveness. You feel like you're going in circles, but it's not circles. It's like a spiral staircase. You're going round and round, but you're getting somewhere. Yeah, don't be discouraged. You're getting somewhere. But it's just keeping that place of softness of heart. And sometimes, so I just, as, I'm, as I'm just preaching, we're coming into to end in a minute, but I just feel the Holy Spirit just nudging me that for some of us, part of that process involves a loving confrontation. That's sometimes a part of it. Sometimes it's just... It wouldn't work, it wouldn't be fruitful, but sometimes actually it's essential. We're trying to forgive, but we haven't actually had that conversation where we've said to them, you've really hurt me. You know, sometimes those, those conversations are so key because when you have that conversation, they either say sorry, and it's just, you just, your hearts get joined together again, or, or they say, no, 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 that's not what I said or meant, it was this, and you go, oh, I totally got the wrong end of the stick. Totally got the wrong end of the stick. I'm so glad I spoke to you about it. It takes courage, but I tell you it's worthwhile. And we never want to be in one of those churches that just takes shortcuts. Shortcuts, I've experienced it as a, as a driver. Shortcuts are pretty much 90% of the time long cuts. <laughs> don't work. All right? <laughs> normally, like, it's like the family, like, oh no, here we go, shortcut, you know, dead end. It's just spiritually, it's pretty much the same. All right? But even more guaranteed, 100%. Shortcuts are long cuts. Don't do it. This is, Jesus expects that part of our normal prayer life will be confessing our sins. Saying, Lord, please forgive me, I've done that. Not in a kind of weird kind of, it's all you ever do, but a part of your prayer life involves, Lord, just search my heart. Is there anything I've grieved you? Just show me. I just want to get that right with you. And having done that, also just saying, Lord, just, want, just wanting to let you know I'm not going to be punishing anyone in my heart. I'm going to... I'm, I'm going to give them to you. That's what forgiveness. You release them to him. You know what to do. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. Lord, they deal with them. Bring them to repentance. If they don't repent, Lord, do what, do, just do whatever's right. I'm going to get it wrong. If I do it, it's going to be corrupt. Yeah? I'll guarantee you, if you try to punish someone for what they've done, it will go wrong. And you'll be chewing yourself up over it as well. You say, Lord, we give them to you. We release them to you. Release them to you. These are the words of the Lord to say. These are words of authority. This isn't opinion. This isn't me. This is the Bible. This is scripture. I tell you, it works. And just have a moment, and in a second, I'm just going to I'm just going to ask people in the room to just have a think. Have any of you here forgiven people that have wronged you and found the benefit of that? Found the truth of these words in that? Okay? Just have a little think. Have a little few seconds to just ponder. Have any of you known this? You say, yeah, I've, I've definitely had to forgive and I'm so glad I did. Right, if that's you, can you just raise your hand where you are? Nice and high. Okay, and then look around.
Okay? If you're here and you're struggling, keep your hands up. If you're here and you're struggling to forgive, please can you find someone here with their hand up that you know, love, trust. If you're a guest here, find someone who looks trustworthy. <laughs> Might take a while, but uh, joke, 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 joke. And speak to them. Say, how did you, how did you walk through that? I tell you, it, it's a process of the soul. It's a process of the soul, but something happens through it whereby your trust for God grows and grows and grows. And you, you, it's a beautiful thing. Healing comes. People sometimes try to bypass forgiveness and get to healing. It doesn't work. It's a bit like the gospel. The forgiveness had to be, that issue had to be dealt with, then we can be reconciled. It's like the gospel with God, with other people. There's that forgiveness. Then the reconciliation with wisdom can begin to work itself out. You've got to work it out wisely. It doesn't mean you'll suddenly be, you know, best mates or whatever, but you've got to work it. But it can, make, it can begin the process of reconciliation. Ever so important. There is grace from Jesus for you to do this. Okay? Grace flows from Jesus to empower you to forgive. Do you believe that? He knows how to do it. He knows how to forgive. There is grace for you. To do this, we're going to end there. We're going to do a couple of things. Firstly, maybe you're in a room you've never known what it is to genuinely, personally be reconciled to God by putting your faith in Jesus. You've never, A, admitted that you've got it wrong, you've sinned, you've offended God, B, believed on Jesus, who's died in your place and raised again that you might have new life, C, just confessed. Confess Jesus is Lord and confessed your need for him. And D, decided to follow him. Decided to give your life and your heart to him. I want to ask you, if you came with someone today who knows Jesus in that way, please talk with them and pray with them. Maybe during bread and wine in just a moment or after the service. If you don't know anyone here or you don't feel comfortable doing that with that person, please come and speak to me. I'm not as scary as I look. And uh, I'll be kind. And answer any questions that you've got to the best of my ability and pray with you. I just encourage you to be able to find out more about Jesus. We'd love to help you to find new life in Christ. That you can leave here today knowing that you are forgiven, that you're born again, a brand new person with a relationship with God. So how? 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 can how? Because Jesus has done the work for you at the cross. He's made a way. Okay? Wow. You can know this. So please, don't, don't, uh, don't hesitate. Don't, don't put off to tomorrow what you can do today. Okay, So, so important. And then the second thing I want to do, I want to just give a couple of minutes before we go to the bread and wine. Just where we are, go back to point one. And I just want to give just a moment for people before God just to be able to lift up concrete, temporary needs. What do you need right now? Is it a job situation? Is it housing? Is it money? What All of them. What do you need? Okay, just bring it before the Lord. Just gonna have a little moment of prayer, just quiet prayer. Okay, just bring it before the Lord. Just tell Him. Just tell Him. Ask Him. Be specific. And now, also, if you know that you need to start the forgiveness journey today, you know that you've been holding on to some kind of unforgiveness of some sort in your heart as a believer. I want to just ask you where you are to just say to the Lord, today I'm going to start the journey. Today I'm going to do this. And again, myself, any one of the 
elders or GC leaders, pastoral team, really happy to help journey with you on this. But it's a decision that you make before God first and foremost. Say, Lord, I'm going to start this journey. I'm not going to punish anyone. I'm not going to hold on to things that have gone before. I'm going to let it go and let them go into your hands, Lord. So, Lord, we gather all these things up before you. Thank you that the government is on your shoulders. Thank you you can carry all of this. (laughs) We carry so little. (laughs) Thank you for the enormous amount of things you can carry. Thank you you've heard these prayers. We just say now, Lord, we are trusting you. We are trusting that you'll give us the wisdom to know what to do. We're trusting that you'll provide in extraordinary ways. We're trusting that there'll be some really, really exciting testimonies of what you've done. We say, Lord, we want to be expectant for 2020. Lord, as, as, it's a, as the name suggests, let it be a year of clear vision, Lord God. Let us see things clearly and perfectly, I pray. Get rid of the mist and the fog, I ask. Help us to see real clear. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray.